0: I want you to open your Bibles this morning over to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter five. I hope that most of you who are uh, folk who know the Bible very well will understand Ephesians chapter five, especially the latter portion of the uh, chapter. Next Sunday is Father's Day and I just thought I might speak a little bit early about Father's Day. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that fathers are important to our society. Say amen, amen. So I'm going to read some words of instruction and I know we've seen this. I just saw the steel clan over here. Good night, Kevin, your wife, would you please stand? We're delighted to have you. He's retired out of the military and his family. Will you welcome him to Oklahoma City again? <laughs> I'll be glad when you get enough. Is it California? Florida, oh well, okay. I started say get back here where you belong. <laughs> I want to read the importance about how God has designed the family and let's read about it. I've shared this so many times with people in counseling and especially premarital counseling. I trust it's familiar to you. But listen to God's design. Verse 22 of chapter five. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Most women, when they read those two verses, don't feel like shouting. That's okay, I understand. The word there, submission is probably a better place for us today would be respect. But gentlemen, it has to be earned. God has set the family in order as a prototype of the entirety for society. It is important that God, we follow God's pattern. So that's the wife's responsibility. Look at the men. And by the way, there's about twice as, three times as many scripture about what a man should do as what a lady here. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I want to tell you something. When you're loved like that, you know you're loved. Amen, ladies? When you're loved like that, you know you're loved. That he, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Gentlemen, you're supposed to so give yourself to your wife, you make her the best lady and wife you possibly can. Do that and I'll show you a lady who has very little problems respecting or submitting to somebody who loves her as passionately as Christ loves the church. Thank you ladies, that was really strong. (laughs) Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourish it, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery I speak of concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's the marriage, here's the offspring. Verse one, chapter six. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. Verse three, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, back to dads, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And it goes on to talk about God's design for civil society and employment and employees on and on. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk this morning very quickly, uh, just a short time if I can, about the necessity of a father. Or I could talk about the family of God's program. In these and many other scriptures that we could travel today, which we will not, this is enough, I wanna show you a divine and tell you that God has a divine order for the family and the church and the nation and the world. God's plan to, for harmony in the family, it is God's plan. God's plan, you can see in these scriptures for the relationships inside the family. We can find God's plan producing godly generations, children, and on and on. God's plan for a moral element in society so that it is regulated with a dignity about life. God's plan about the great commission to be fulfilled on the planet. God's plan for Christ to return to a body of believers, Holy, pure, sanctified, a bride that he has prepared for himself. Finally, we can see God's plan for an eternal kingdom. And all of that began, go all the way to the book of beginnings in Genesis, all that began with the formation of the family. The family is the bedrock of all creation. It's the bedrock of all humanity. Is it any wonder, and let me declare to you, it is no wonder that the enemy is doing all that he can to destroy the family across this planet. Like Brother Wayne, I don't wanna give you a lot of stats, but I will just say this, you can check it out for yourself. There are millions, even in America, not to mention how many millions across the world where children today in the evening go to bed without a dad in the house they lack a model not only of a father, they lack a role model of how the family is supposed to be structured. There is no discipline, if very little in the family, without a, a man. Ladies, try. If you're a single mom, God help you try. But I want to tell you, there is, there, God's perfect program is that there be a man who's in charge with authority and a wife who are 100 hundred and hundred and 100% together and you raise righteous children. Not to mention, we have very few in our our nation, the percentages are against us now, a role model against the enemy of the souls of our children. Our schools have become war zones, ladies and gentlemen, in our own nation. Romans 1 gives us an observation about created beings, the human being, and about created nature. And it also shows us about the fallen nature when we do not follow God's program. But I want everyone online to hear, I want you in this sanctuary, young people, mom and dad especially, please listen to the word of God. Because we live in a society today where no one wants any responsibility for anything. No one wants accountability for anything. And if we're trying to hold someone accountable for what is truth, lies are told and it's as if truth dies in the streets. And we are in the, America are in trouble if we don't get back to hearing it and dealing with the truth and bring back the laws in the United States of America. I gotta back up here because I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that. I think, okay, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. Have you noticed how just a regular citizen like us, if we, if we travel and we speed a five, six, seven, eight miles over the speed limit, we will be stopped and we'll receive a ticket for a misdemeanor But there are people who think they're important people in high places, who think they're above the law. They can steal millions, they can absolutely mistreat people, they can lie, they can do anything they want, and there's no accountability. And that frustrates me. Okay, I'm gonna get off my soapbox, but I'm very frustrated because truth does not rule our nation anymore. But I want to show you something about that. People, well, the truth is relative. Let me tell you what the truth is, it is, absolute. So listen to the absolute sovereign God who even before the foundations of the earth planned all of us and he said, here's my plan and here's what I'm gonna put into the human being. Romans one, look with me at verse 18. He states that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. If a lie is a lie, trying to cover it is a lie. And the truth is suppressed in unrighteousness. Watch this, this is what I want us to concentrate on. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them unrighteous people for God has shown it to them. I want everyone to look at me. God has placed a conscience in you through the soul and the spirit that he placed in you. And you do not have an excuse. I wanna declare to you that everyone born has a conscience and you know what is right and you know what is wrong. But today we're programming through our schools. We say truth is no longer Absolute. I want to tell you something. I just read you one of the most absolute truths in this world. You were born, you were placed here on this planet by God's plan with a soul and a spirit and you know what's right and wrong. Period. (laughs) I can just hear the liberal crowd go Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, watch this. You can know God. Don't say, well, God's out here. and get a... You need to read the word. It says, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that means God, and you can know him and have a relationship with him, know all about him. His, at, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. That's all the nature he created, even his eternal power and Godhead of how he operates in this world so that they, that's everybody, are without excuse. Because although they knew, although they knew God, they did not glorify him. This means they had a conscience and they seared it They do not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, and became futile in their thoughts. This is a spiritual blindness that's on humanity today. And their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise and powerful and and totally in leadership and in control, professing to be wise, they became fools. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have that today. We do. God says, built into the fabric of nature itself, I show you myself and my ways. The universe, ladies and gentlemen, is a revelation of God. I'm going to go over to chapter 2 and I want to read a few more verses. From chapter 2, I'll begin in verse 13. Not for the hearers, for not the hearers of the law, are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So I wanna stop and say, you can say I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God, all that you want to, that does not mean you have a relationship with God. Satan believes in God and he knows his future, but Satan's not gonna be saved. Let me even know this is just real stuff, just real. But the doers of the law will be justified, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law these although not having the law are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts that's your conscience that's the voice that speaks inside of you it goes on their conscious also bearing witness I want to tell you something God has put his plan and program into the heart of every man woman and young person and we're going to give an account of how we we deal with that plan, and I don't care how irresponsible you want to be, young people. I don't care how how you may think you can get by with it and you can live like you want any way you want to. Anyway, it is true there is a sin pleasure season, but at the end of it, at the end of sin is always death. Well, thank you for that. I want to tell you something: sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death, and you're not going to change that. And the scripture, like a golden cord from the start to the finish, says that as a man, woman, young people, as a human being, sows into their life, so you reap that. So let's just be, let's do some good math. If you want a good outcome, you sow a good beginning. And back to the family. God has written the spiritual laws in the heart. Nature teaches, conscience teaches, and through that God declares. Therefore, or because of all that, old man, you are without excuse. I want to say again, it is God's plan that family be intact. It's God's plan that family be an example. And men, It is God's plan for you to be responsible for the spiritual emphasis in your home. God says you're a priest in that home. And I wanna stand today and say across America online and in this sanctuary, men, be the man of the house. Wow, men, be the man of the house. Come on, say amen. That was still weak. I don't mean that you're gonna be an ogre and not a dictator. We need to know the whole counsel of God. But men, we need men today who are, who are men that follow God and they, they're they close to God. They know the word. God said, you be the man of the house. You be responsible for the spirit over your home. And when we obey that, God says, I'll give you special blessing. I will give you rewards that for your obedience that are beyond what you can measure in finance or in benefits. Frequently I'm approached as a pastor sometime, what can I do pastor in this family situation? And sometimes they will say I feel so adequate as a parent or a dad or a husband and and many times I counsel with a lot of people. Let me say, becoming a parent is one of those events in life for which there is no training period. You don't walk into parenthood as a professional. And if you think you are, you'll find out differently. Yes, read. Yes, study. Yes, learn. Yes, all the watch and pray continuously because you don't know what curve's coming. It's like getting a driver's license and you study for your written exam and then you even go drive with the instructor and you're nervous and you're all that and you pass and you get your license. And that's wonderful. I did that on my 16th birthday. I was so proud. I studied, I passed the test. I got in with a state trooper. I was scared to death because my dad taught me to obey and to respect authority. And I was scared to death of that guy with that big hat on and that badge and whatever he said, I did without Question. That's the way it ought to be anyway. Listen, if, if you want to know, I will just give it a newscast, broadcast. This is alert news, last minute news. If you don't want to have a trouble with a law enforcement officer, obey the law. Amen. Woo! how overwhelming is that? And if you get stopped and you don't want to have trouble with a law enforcement officer, do what he says. We have courts and situations that handle that in truth, not with emotion on a highway. Pastor, do you back the blue with every beat of my heart? Because if we don't and we don't have laws, we're not a nation. <laughs> haven't done that in a while. You know what I tell an officer when he stops me? Sure, the reason I stop you is because you're speedy. And I say, this is almost my ritual. Yes, sir, I was. I knew better. And I said, all I ask you to do is be as good as me, to me as you can, because there's been many times I've done that and hadn't been stopped. So whatever it is today will be cheap. He asked me to get out of that car, I'll just say, tell me when, where, and how fast. Put your hands on that, I've never had to do that. You know why? Because I... <laughs> Sometimes I obey the law, (laughs) that really hurt. I'm tired of us not calling truth, truth. I'm tired of us listening to all this madness that's going on in our society. Men, be the men of your house. I'm getting way ahead of my message. Being a parent's tough. You can get a driver's license and pass it all, but yet none of that can prepare you for someone who runs a red light right in front of you and almost kills you. Not everything in the world, ladies and gentlemen, can be anticipated. However, I wanna give you five basic needs that every child has for your home. These are gonna sound like, are you serious, Pastor? Yes, I'm serious. Five basic needs that children, sir, and ma'am, but especially to fathers today, need to hear and know. And out of these that I give you will grow roots for all, for it to. Pre- Produce a well adjusted young adult who not only can handle society, who knows how to be responsible and be grown ups in it and to be completely and whole a person that God has sanctified and used, who will sincerely help us with society and raise godly generations. Amen. Let me run through them right quickly. Five basic needs your children need. Number one, they need to learn what genuine love is. What genuine love is. What genuine love is. The world spells love S E X. Children spell love T I M E and C A R E. Love and acceptance is one of the greatest needs that your child has. Unconditional love says something like this. Daddy and mommy loves it when you do as we want and what we do and all that kind of thing. Unconditional love says mom and dad will love you even when you make mistakes. I'm gonna just stop and draw this, I wish I had a pen. We've got a program, if I'd thought about it, I can take it and draw it, it comes on the screen. Will you use the screen imaginary and draw a little stick man on the left for me? Because I've used this forever. And a little stick man on the right, on the one on the left put the person, and on the right put the performance. And I want to tell you something, you need to teach your children. That little person on the left, that is person. I will love you and love you and love you and love you. And no matter what you ever do, you'll never take my heart off of you as a person. But over on the right, your performance, I may not approve of that and I can't support that. But it does not mean I don't love you. That's the way God does us. He loved us when we were unlovable. Our performance fell way short, ladies and gentlemen. But how many of you know that he loved us and then he washed us, and then he made us. Read it in Revelation 1. Aren't you glad God loves you unconditionally? They need love and acceptance. Secondly, they need to learn discipline. I could spend an hour right here. They need to learn discipline. Let me just declare, mom and dad, if they don't learn discipline from you, then they're gonna learn it by society. And that's a tough taskmaster. That's what these men deal with all the time with young men and young women. People who haven't been disciplined are people who've been driven by conditional love, but they can't cope with society. So be a disciplinarian, Dad. Mom, let me make an announcement to you. Until your child turns about 14 or 15, you should not be their best friend. You should be the dad and the mom and those with authority that requires discipline. And then let me tell you something. Once they get married, the Lord tarries and they have kids, then you're the best friends. Yeah. My two sons and my girls, are my best friends. Just gonna pause and let you think about that. Yeah. It's important they learn discipline, but discipline fairly. I think you ought to say, I'm sorry, son or daughter, but you know the rules. I, I think you ought to say, I told you, didn't I? I told you, I told you not to do that. If, 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 I, if you did that and I told you not to, I'm gonna spank your backside. And I'm well acquainted with that. So are my sons. But not harshly, don't you dare. Parent, I know this is gonna be a little crude. Don't, don't you dare take a child and say, you little brat, I oughta. Well, when you hear, if I hear you say that, I oughta. But not to the kid. Boy, I'm in trouble today. I can tell. Mom and Dad, you ought to discipline with dignity and respect and politeness, but firmly. Keep your word, Dad. Boy, I never, I never, I never had a problem ever when my dad said do, do something. I did it. When he said don't do it, I didn't do it. If I ever broke that, he'd come straight to me. And of course, he was a big guy. He would. He picked me up with a left arm with his left hand about that far off the floor, and he said, I told you, didn't I? And then you heard sounds. (laughs) You saw motion, Pain and agony. (laughs) But discipline. Discipline. God help you, parent, if you don't teach them discipline, you're going to turn them over to a marriage someday and there'll be no discipline on either side. And if they have children, they won't discipline. And we have that problem today in this nation. Learn discipline. And be consistent. Be consistent. I just said it. You knew, son, I told you. Number three, they need a sense of security. I know finances is a big thing in America and all that, and I understand, but a spiritual worth and a spiritual security, a plan that God has for their lives. Teach it to them from the time they're born. God has a plan for your life. Number one thing for you to do, son or daughter, is to love God, love God, and get right in the middle of God's will. Teach them that they're a special mate, founded. Before the foundation of the earth, he formed us and put us in the womb of our mothers, and God had a design for that even before he stood in nothing and spoke into nothing and everything came into being. Not, not, why can't you be like so-and-so? Tell him, God brought you here for a purpose. You're valuable. I know you're gonna do your best. I'm gonna count on you to do what's right. Amen, Amen. number four. Children need to learn confidence. I, wanna, I love this phrase. Confidence is attractive on everybody. Arrogance and conceit is ugly. Build your child with status. You have that plan. You have that God's call. You're here for a purpose. You are important. I have written for years on every graduate card that I can remember. I put on that graduate card, congratulations on your attainment, but I will finish and say you and God are a majority. I want to tell you one of the best things you'll ever teach your child to give them confidence is the will of God. Build your child from the inside out, from the heart out. Tell them you're intelligent. Tell them you're God's gift. Tell them that they're a designer's model. Tell them there's not another one and God has a plan. Tell them that God is gonna do big things with you because he will. Number five, and I'll be through. Teach them responsibility. I love this little story. When Quint was six years old, he turned to the first grade I had, a back then, just had push lawnmowers, and uh, that's been about 400 years ago, just to push lawnmower. We didn't have a large lawnmower, so I pushed the lawnmower. My wife, for Christmas, bought him one of those little things where you have a, a little lawnmower and it had kind of a popper in it or something. You, the wheels would turn and the spring would pop, and it'd pop, pop little What was it called? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, well, good. Okay. It, it pops a ball up. And, it, and she got one that would like that with a lawnmower. And so when he was four, three, or four, or five, he got to where he'd run out beside of me and he'd mow the yard. When he turned six, we swapped lawnmowers. Yes. <laughs> I pushed the popper while he mowed. Do you know that teaching children, responsibility gives them confidence. They can do this, they can accomplish something. They feel like there there is a purpose by which to live. And and, and when he didn't want to, I made him. You know what he does now? You know what he does now? He gets off work. Of course, lazy adults and a bigger yard, you know what he does? He wants to mow that yard. He was to ride that lawnmower. Not just because he was made to. Listen, I don't know how my parents did it, but I believe there's a way and I tried to do it to my children. There is a joy in your labor. There, there is a, there's a, a confidence and there's a purpose and a, and a, and a confidence in, in being able to accomplish something. Responsibility. I think one of the great responsibilities, I know I'm gonna walk on some touchy ground ground again. I think every man in his house on Sunday morning ought to say, get up, grab your bowl of cereal, toast, whatever, it's church day. And I think every man ought to have his family in church every Sunday. Boy, you're gonna know I'm old fashioned. I think you ought to be here on Wednesday nights too. I don't care what society says. You don't get it all here. And our whole society, young couples, well, we're just gonna see you on Sunday. Fine, but I'm gonna tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, th- your your children should be involved in these children programs. You say, Pastor, you're trying to lay guilt on us. No, I'm trying to get adults to be responsible again because children won't be raised right and godly. Accidentally, they're gonna be raised because you're not too lazy to make it happen. Responsibility. Dads, hear me. You right now are developing your children's attitude about life. Right now. I don't care if that baby is 18 months old. You are forming the attitudes. I'm gonna tell you this. Children pick up on atmosphere. Children pick up on atmosphere like you would not believe. And when there's trouble between mom and dad, listen, you ought to be careful because they sense it and they know it. Mom and Dad, don't you dare let them see you have a fuss or an argument. That's why God made Benadryl. We'll knock them out, then have your time. <laughs> I have never done that, I'm just being <laughs> If you have to take them to the neighbors or the parents or do something, but stay together, don't you, don't you let them hear you disagree. Because then you've taught them, I'll work mom and you work dad, vice versa. That doesn't work in our house. Who said Pastor, what do you need? You agree all the time? No, but in front of them we do. Hope you still love me. Dads, I wanna ask you something. Because of you, Will your daughter or your son, how will they interpret the world? And that master responsibility belongs to you. A lot of the teaching and a lot of the caring and a lot of domestic things are probably done more by ladies. But I wanna tell you something. Pastor, how how do you raise children? It's pretty simple. Raise it carefully, raise them prayerfully, raise them purposefully, raise them biblically, and love and care and love and care and sacrifice, 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 and 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 stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself until those babies are gone. They're your responsibility. Gentlemen, get a hold of God's promises. With God's promises, You'll be partnered with the almighty God and he will teach you and he will lead you. And you and God are a majority. I have 20 something years ago found a poem. I wanna read it to you. Listen to this poem. It's called A Little Fellow's Dad. It says, I may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street. I may never be as wealthy as some other men I meet. I may never have the glory that some other men have had, but I've got to be successful as a little fellow's dad. There are certain dreams I cherish and I'd like to see come true. There are things I would accomplish ere my work time is through. But the task my heart is set on is to guide a little lad and make myself successful as a little fella's dad. It is that one job I dream of. It's the task I think of most. If I'd fail fail that growing youngster, I'd have nothing else to boast. For though wealth and fame I'd gather, all my future would be sad if I failed to be successful as that little fella's dad. I may never get earth's glory I may never gather gold. Men may count me as a failure when my business life is told. But if he who follows is a Christian, I'll be glad, for I know I've been successful as a little fellow's dad. I was pretty tough when I raised my sons. but I felt like I was supposed to produce men who were good law-abiding citizens who would be men to stand. I wanna tell you where our enemy is, ladies and gentlemen. We are so pressed, we are so pushed. We've become so selfish in our world and we run at such a fast pace. I wanna tell you a little story I'll be through. A young and successful executive was traveling down a neighborhood street. Driving too fast in his new Jaguar, he was watching for kids darting from between the parked cars and slowed down when he thought he saw something. Instead of brick smashed into his Jaguar side door, He slammed on the brakes, drove the jack back to the spot where the brick had been thrown. The angry driver jumped out of the car, grabbed the only kid he saw, pushed him against a parked car and shouted, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) This is a new car and that brick you threw is gonna cost a lot of money to fix. What are you thinking? And the little boy was so apologetic Please, mister, sir, I'm very, very sorry. I didn't know what else to do. And he began to plead. He said, I threw the brick because no one would stop. With tears now running down his face, dripping off his chin, the little youth pointed toward just around the corner a parked car. And he said, that's my brother. He rolled off the curb and fell off his wheelchair and I can't lift him up by myself. Now sobbing, the boy stunned the executive, sir, would you help me get him back into his wheelchair? He's hurt and he's too heavy for me. Suddenly stunned himself, moved beyond words, the driver tried to swallow the lump in his throat. He hurriedly lifted the handicapped boy back into the wheelchair, took out his handkerchief, dabbed the fresh cuts and bruises on his cheek. A quick look at him, told him that everything was gonna be okay. And the young man in the wheelchair said, thank you, sir, God bless you. Too shook for words, the man simply watched the boy push his brother in the wheelchair down the sidewalk toward their home. It was a long silent walk back to the Jaguar. The damage was very noticeable, but The driver never bothered to repair the dented door side. He kept the dent there to remind him of this message. Don't you go through life so fast that someone has to throw a brick to get your attention. I think God whispers to our souls and speaks to our hearts sometime when we think we're too busy We think we're too busy. Dad, stand. All over this room, stand. Next Sunday, we're gonna have a fun time. Next Sunday, we got a gift for you. You'll like it. I want you to know you're important to me, to this society. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, men, for living for the Lord. Thank you for bringing your families to the house of God. Thank you for standing for righteousness. Your job is difficult. Ladies, yours is too. We talked about that on Mother's Day. But I wanna pray a special prayer for you. Let me pray. Father standing before me and hearing online dozens and hundreds perhaps of men, who, Lord, love you. I thank you, Lord, for their dedication to you, and I thank you, God, that they're men that will stand. I wanna pray for them, Lord, in a special endowment today of your power and your wisdom and courage, God, in our own nation, in our own world today. God, I ask you to embolden them, Lord, to be men of God. Lord, men who are strong in faith, tender in heart, merciful and gracious like our God, and servants, Lord, to you, to their brides and to their babies. Servants, Lord, to do everything we can to build from the inside out, from the heart, Lord, to the mind, to the behavior saturated with the Word of God, saturated with the power and the Spirit of God, and wisdom, Lord, to do in every turn what you bid us to do. For, Lord, you put it in our hearts. You you teach us to go to the Word, and there we find you, and we find counsel, Lord, and we find confidence, and we find answers, Lord, to things we do not know. Teach us, God, that in order to be much for you, in order to be much for our wives, in order to be much for our children. We must be much with you. So Lord, let us stop. God forbid that you have to take an object to get us to stop long enough to listen, to know, to follow, to love, to serve. Thank you for these men, Lord, who dedicate themselves to do that. I ask you, God, to help us stand in a late hour because it is so a necessity for the fathers to lead our homes, our churches, our society, and our nation. Give us a revival of godly men. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen.